skincare for me, this is more like a practice and it should be more routine versus just like one time uses. Because sometimes people have a different expectation on skincare because they never use it. So they think that that is like a medicine, like if they eat once and it just solved the problem. But we are talking to our customer saying that skincare is like a workout. So you need to practice. Welcome to Start Right Here, where I talk to BIPOC beauty pros about breaking into the industry, standing out, and defining success for themselves. I'm your host, Corinne L. Corbett. I'm an OG beauty director turned consultant, but I'm also a dot connector. What does that mean? I love linking and sharing ideas, information, and people so that we can all succeed. And I do this show because I'm an advocate for creating an equitable, inclusive beauty industry. And this show is one way to bring you the information if you want to take a seat at the table or build one of your own. So let's get into the show. Hi, everybody. One thing I love about doing the Start Right Here podcast is that we get to cover the beauty industry from lots of different perspectives. And this season, we're talking about beauty from an international viewpoint. I mean, you've already heard from somebody from France. And today, we're going to talk about the K-beauty influence, but this time in men's skincare. And I am pleased to welcome Nare Chung, who is the CEO and co-founder of Cardone Skincare, a men's skincare line. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Let's start by talking about cultural influence. Where did you grow up and how did your upbringing shape your ideas around beauty? Yeah, I grew up in South Korea. In Korea, beauty is a really big part of the life. So I grew up seeing my mom using 10 skincare steps every day. And then at the end of the day, it was more ritual for her doing skincare at night was just routine. So I'm seeing how she is using skincare, how she takes care of her skin. And also, you know, I started using my skincare when I was actually in middle school because I had dry skin. So my mom is like, now right, you should start using skincare. And then I had a full step when I was super young. I use a cleanser, I use a toner, and I use a serum for the dry skin. And also I use like moisturizer. So, you know, beauty is a big part of my life. And also, especially in uh, Korea, there's more emphasis on skincare than makeup. That's how I grew up. What do you think makes K-beauty unique? I think there is a few things. One, K-beauty really has emphasis on the prevention and also gradual improvement versus the instant improvement. Like the moisturizer I used to use usually have a niacinamide and not retinol. So like I actually never had used retinol moisturizer until I moved to the U.S. So a lot of ingredient is super mild, but still effective. That is one. And then second one is I think that because people are so obsessed with the beauty, they actually develop a lot of new technology, new innovation on the ingredient side. Have you ever heard of snail mucin? ingredient yes i think that's what skincare like r&d lab started and then there is a sika tiger grass 
green tea and there's a lot of natural and the unique ingredient, you know, like a lot of Korea R&D, the manufacturer developed because there's a lot of demand and people love to try new product, new ingredient. And there is a tendency that, okay, this is new one. I want to try versus, okay, I'm just going to stick to what I have. Let me recap that in Korea, that skincare is more important than makeup. And that innovation when it comes to ingredients are really, really at the forefront of product development there. And so it makes the user adventurous and willing to try whatever the latest thing is. Yeah. I mean, you're using beauty products, but was it a destination? Did you think about it as a career or was it a detour for you? I started my career as a marketing manager at SK2, but still, I would say that it is detour because I studied electrical engineering at college. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then I got interested in marketing. So I was lucky to get a job at P&G, Procter & Gamble. And I thought that before joining Procter & Gamble, I thought that I'm going to work for maybe, I don't know, Tide or you know, like those big household items versus beauty. But I was lucky enough that they put me as a skincare team. Do you know SK2? I do, but I think you should tell people because I'm not sure everyone listening knows SK2. So SK2 is Japanese skincare brand, but PNG bought them like 90 80, something like that. So like actually owned by the Procter & Gamble, but SK2 is Japanese skincare line, have a hero ingredient, Pitera, which is come from the East. That was my first career. So I learned a lot from there. Right. Let's talk about that. So you started as a brand manager at SK2, and then you actually worked on a couple of other brands in the P&G portfolio. What do you think you learned at P&G and from each of these brands that has helped you along the way in your career? I think SK2 actually taught me a lot on why skincare innovation on the ingredient and also creating effective product is really important for the customer. I see people love about our product, using them, and then actually gaining confidence from that. And then I was really thinking about, okay, that is really important. And also second, they actually taught me a lot about storytelling on the brand story and brand equity, why this brand is special. So they have a story about Pitera, like about the East, but their story start from the sake brewery. So when the monk visits the sake brewery, she saw someone's hands, it's like really, really soft. But she is old lady and he was wondering why her hands is really, really soaked. And then they found out that the secret is from the East. So then they started developing products. So like there was kind of like how they developed the product and how they bring the innovation to skincare. And then that actually resonated with a customer. And then that really taught me, you know, when I build a cardone, how should I tell the brand story to the people? and how we're going to build a brand. What other brands did you work on after SK2? After SK2, I worked for Gillette. You know, it was a really different experience. I was working prestige skincare products selling in department store. And then now I moved to the men's grooming, which is selling at Target and Walmart. So that was a really fun experience. I think Gillette experience is actually foundation for Cardone because I learned a lot about 
what is men's skincare concern when they shave, what kind of problem they are experiencing. And one of them is shaving irritation. And also because at SK2, I was a target customer. So when I think about what customer wants, I was like, oh, customer might want this. And then that's actually my idea. Maybe that's not the consumer's idea. But at Gillette, because I'm not target customer, I don't shave my face every day. <laughs> so I need to ask questions to the customer that like, okay, what do you experience every day? Why you don't like current product? What improvement do you need? And then I really also need to rely on the data because I'm not the target customer. So like I really look at a lot of data to tell me or make a decision on what kind of business direction or what kind of marketing direction I should choose. So it gave me a lot of objective view on how customer think and then what kind of business decision I should make. And that also helped at Cardone. When I make a decision, I'm really looking at the data and the consumer interview. That's really interesting. So going from prestige drugstore and big box retailer, and then also changing from a line focused on women to a line focused on men where you are not the target customer, that was a real big learning opportunity for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's great. And was the third one Olay that you worked on? Yeah, I also worked for Olay a little bit. And what skill did you learn there that helped you in launching Cardone? At Olay, because we are selling product in the drugstore and as also big box retailer, I learned about how they actually choose a skincare in those aisles because the department store aisles are really beautiful. You can test a lot of product there. It's more of experience. But at drugstore, people like come in and go. So you know, how you can catch their attention in the really, I guess, scattered environment and how we can tell the brand story on that. And is marketing and advertising really critical then for something that you don't have the opportunity to test? Yeah, I think the claim is really important. What kind of claim you put on the packaging because you cannot test and you cannot experience and you cannot talk to beauty counselor either in Sephora or either in department store. So then the package should tell like really clearly what kind of benefit consumer can get. So yeah, that is really important, I believe. I'm going to go back before P&G. So you came to the U.S. to go to Wharton School of Business. Did you think about entrepreneurship while you were studying for your MBA? Yes. Actually, I went to MBA after P&G. Oh, after P&G. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I worked for P&G like nine years and it is quite a long time. I was in Korea and Singapore managing Southeast Asia market as well. And then after nine years, I decided to quit because I was actually really thinking about entrepreneurship. So then my vice president, he's like, why are you going to MBA? Like after nine years at P&G, you learn a lot of lady here. And then I was like, I want to start my own business. And he's like, wait, if you want to start your own business, you join startup, not going MBA. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But I think that for me, I want to move to more bigger market to learn about other perspective because I was in Asia all my life. And then like, what is the view I can learn from like US? And also at MBA, there's not only US students. There's a lot of people from around the world. So I can learn global perspectives. And that's why I choose. 
And then I also want to take a little bit break. So I was like, yeah, let's go MBA and then learn about entrepreneurship. So it makes sense that while you were there, you did this focus group with your male classmates about their approach to skincare. So what made you do that? Did you think about men's skincare going in as an idea or did it come to be after the conversations? Yeah, it came after the conversation. So I work in skincare and grooming in Asia. And I saw the huge men's skincare growth in Asia, like maybe five years ago at that time. So then when I moved here and I was looking at the trend, usually men's fashion is growing, men's hairstyling product is growing, then skincare follow. But when I look at the market at the time, it was 2016, 17, there is either expensive, like a KLF series, 40 to $50 plus, or nutritional for men and don't for men. And I thought that, oh, there is a big opportunity between the 20 to $40, I can create a really high quality product at affordable pricing using Korean skincare innovation. So that's why I was like, okay, let's talk to customer. As I said, I'm not target customer. I need to talk to customer. So let's talk to customer and ask if they are really interested in skincare. That's what made me decide to the like consumer research group. Right. So were there any surprises when you talked to your classmates and you did the focus group about the things that they wanted or needed? Actually, when I did consumer research group, I had more doubt that this market is going to grow because at the time when I talked to my friends, I was like, oh, do you think about anti-aging? And he's like, no, I want to look old. I was like, why? I look wider. I was like, okay. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So I thought that interest is not there much yet but let's prove with a consumer. But I was actually really surprised at how much interest they have in skincare, but they just don't have space to talk about it because they don't ask friends like, hey, bro, like what kind of skincare do you use? They don't have those conversations. But when you set it up, like the focus group, we have like seven classmates in the same room. Let's talk about the skincare. And actually one guy bring the this cream and then he's like, oh, I'm using this every day. And then like everyone is like, why? Why do you like it? Like what kind of impact can you get it? What kind of benefit? Like they keep talking to each other. I need to moderate. And then I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Actually, they are interested in skincare, but there's no space for them to talk about or ask questions. What does Cardone mean? Why did you decide to name the line Cardone? Cardone is named after the biggest cactus species in Mexico. And the reason is one of the hero ingredients is cactus extract. Talk to me about the ramp up to launching the line. You knew that there was interest and there was a white space in the market for this type of product. What did you do? How did you begin the process of building this brand? So I met my co-founder at business school. She was my roommate. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. She was actually a person who pushed me to do the consumer research group. I did that actually with her. And then after we are seeing this market, we decided to work together. And then thinking about what is the first product I should launch. And we choose the SPF plus moisturizer because this is our first product here. <laughs> yeah. 
the reason we choose sunscreen as a first product was when I actually interviewed with a customer, they said, oh, I don't use skincare, but I use sunscreen. Oh. So I was like, okay, because maybe dermatologist told him to do it. Or my mom told me to use sunscreen every day. So like they know that they need to use a sunscreen. But however, they hate using sunscreen every day because cotton sunscreen is sticky and like pina colata smell. Oh, right. (laughs) They just hate using it. So I thought that this is maybe a really great product to bring skincare innovation, actually Korean develop. Korean sunscreen I grew up to using it is like lightweight, fast absorbing. And I'm like, I use every day. So that's why we decided to develop this product as a first product. But it took us 18 months just developing product. Well, yeah, as soon as you put SPF on a product, that adds to the regulatory hurdles, does it not? Yes. (laughs) So you started with the hard product first. (laughs) Yes. So I had no idea. And then I was like, okay, the first step of a skincare routine should be sunscreen. And also innovation is lacking. So let's develop that. But because we did a lot of customer testing, actually, our classmate was a guinea pig. We sent like 100 samples to our classmate. They use it, they gave feedback, and then we improve and improve. And also regulatory issue that like we need to go through all the lab testing and et cetera. So it took 18 months. So at that time, I was working for Walmart, online grocery team as a gross marketer, because I thought that I learned about brand marketing, product development from the PNG, but I feel like I need to learn more about the retail experience. So... Yeah, I was like developing products on the side while I'm working for the Walmart. How did you go about finding the right lab and accessing the right ingredients for Cardone? Finding the right lab, maybe I was more lucky because I was in the industry. So I asked people connection and I was able to secure one of the biggest manufacturer R&D lab. So they are actually a public company in Korea. They are a big company. So we were lucky on their part. And second question you asked was? Ingredient. So did you go to Korea to source ingredients? Where did you go to find the ingredients that you wanted to focus on in your portfolio of products? First, actually, I asked customer what kind of actual skincare concern they have. And then one of the, I guess, biggest and also unique skincare concern men have is shaving irritation. So when you shave, you put the knife on your face, that means you get the micro cut. You cannot see it, but that gives you sensitivity issue, redness issue, and irritation issue. So now I was searching for the ingredient to help those. And then there's a several ingredients in the list. Maybe tiger grass is a really great soothing ingredient. And then there's others. And then also one of them was a cactus ingredient. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I actually did a concept test with a customer and they really resonate with a cactus extract. They're like, okay, I have a problem with the shaving irritation. And when I talk about the cactus, they're like, okay, I get it because cactus is like a aloe, but more vitamin rich. And also Aztec used to use the cactus for the sunburn treatment. So it is amazing soothing property. So we thought that that can solve their problem. And then I did like a ingredient researching with a lab together. So you started with the one product and then where did you go from there? 
after we launched two more products in, I think, like three months, was a face wash and moisturizer. So that actually and the collection of the skincare. And we continue just adding few more products. And then one of the fun product we have is Dark Soccer Eye Rescue. Because one of the top concerns man has was not wrinkle, but dark circle. So we are creating products to solve those problems. And also they are saying that like, yeah, I, I can use eye product, but like I hate putting my finger on the jar and then my putting on here, like small amount. It's like too much burdensome. So we create a product, has a three ball roller like this. I mean, you can see video, you can see it. So it's like really easy to use. And then that's like another product we launch. Now we also expand to hair care and body care because one of the top concerns also our customer has is hair loss. So we are also creating shampoo and conditioner to help those problems as well. How did you launch? When you launched, were you direct to consumer start or did you go into retailers? We start as a direct consumer. And then also the time we launched our product was 2020 January. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it was right before COVID as well. So we don't have much choices at the time either. Right. You're still in business. So you made it through that tumultuous time. How did COVID impact your business? I think first few months was quite tough because we are a small team and then like getting it together and then like discussing and then like those give us a lot of energy but like we couldn't meet our team and also as a new brand I should go out more to meet customer do the sampling and then talk to customer go to partnership and etc but those we couldn't do that so it was really hard at first but we found a way to communicate the customer so we did at the time the like one-on-one -on -one skincare consultation and then actually me and my co-founder did it so we meet customer and they like apply for the like skincare consultation we meet together and then we hear about his concern and then we suggest what kind of product they should use even beyond our product and then that gave us actually a lot of consumer insight and also they become the really long lasting customer with us Right. Because you connected with them on a level that is not just buy my product. I'm concerned about helping you with your particular skincare concerns. And I'll give you the best advice I can give you, whether it's my product or not. I think that gave you a lot of credibility. If you like what you hear, why don't you subscribe to the Start Right Here podcast and leave a review. And please Sign up for our mailing list at thebeautyroundtable.com so you will be in the know about all the good things coming. How did you weave in the self-care for men idea? Where did that come about? Yeah, so skincare for me, this is more like a practice and it should be more routine versus just like one-time uses because sometimes people has a different expectation on skincare because they never use it so they think that that is like a medicine like if they eat once and it just solved the problem yeah. uh, we are talking to our customer saying that skincare is like a workout so you need to practice that's such a good analogy yeah we are saying that like yeah you run like treadmill once you're not going to be fit. 
you just continuously practice your workout, then you're going to be stronger. Same thing with the skincare. You practice every day and then using it every day, then you're going to see greater improvement. So then we talk about that is as a routine and that is more self-care routine. And then like you should practice. Yeah, I think that's really unique and something that they can understand because if you talk too much beauty jargon, they may just kind of like zone out. <laughs> yeah, but like you will surprise some customer. They really don't know about the skincare start. Like one of our customer asked a question about, oh, I see in your face wash saying that we should use morning and night. I'm going workout today. Can I use during workout, after workout? I was like, of course you can, but like, like they don't have those knowledge, but after they start using it, like you're going to like surprise after three months. And then he came back to us. He was like, I see this ingredient in this skincare line. Like, can I use it? Or like, what does that impact? I was like, how do you know that much compared to like three months ago? You have no idea how to use face wash. And then there are those probably customers who were using their significant other's products on the sly. And so now they have their own. Yeah. But funny thing is I designed the product to meet the men's skincare concern because we made it for the shaving irritation and like it is great for sensitive skin. So actually I'm using it every day. And also face wash is popular product that actually partner still from him. Oh, so she's stealing his product now. Yes. <laughs> That's actually great. Have you ever considered expanding or marketing it as unisex? Yeah, we discuss a lot on that part because industry actually talk about a lot that like do beauty product have gender. So I think maybe along the line, we go in that route. But however, right now, I think consumer is not there yet. Like now Korea customers start changing. They don't care about it is skincare for men or women. They care about, oh, is this skincare for oily skin or is this skincare for dry skin? But now, because they never ever use a skincare before, like 20% of our customers say that they never ever use skincare before in their life. So for them, it's like, hey, this is skincare for you, for men. Then they're like, okay, there is a product for me, not only for my significant others. Let me try to use it. So I think that caught on the market stage, we are inviting men to start skincare journey with us, but we might consider in the like future, see how market goes. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Tell me about the clinical study. Why was it important to do one and what did you find as a result? So we did a clinical study because it is important for us to show customers what kind of product benefit we can deliver to them. So we choose a lot of ingredients. A lady has a clinical study saying that it will help your dark circle or wrinkle and et cetera. We are using those ingredients, but we want to show the customer that actually our product is working. That's why we did a clinical study and then we saw the significant improvement on the 16 different skin issues. And then we are really proud of it. And also our customers sometimes do not want to know about all the ingredient story. They are like, okay, I have a dark circle. And then we are like, okay, we use this ingredient to solve the problem. They are like, okay, versus I was like, we did a test. 80% customer, they see the significant improvement in eight weeks. They like check the box. So also this is really easy for us to communicate to the customer. So that's why we also did it. I think that's great. 
So, how many SKUs do you have all together now? Thirteen. Wow, big number. Yeah. In three years, that's a nicer amount of product. And what is the best-selling product? Two product SPF Plus Moisturizer. This is our first product and then bestseller. And then second product, I actually surprised that Doxakai Rescue. Well, you did say that it's a problem that men, they don't care about the wrinkles, but they cared about the dark circles. So it's proof is in the purchase, I guess. Yeah, I agree. But like at the time when I like saw the data, I see that there is issue on dark circle. But I was like, they are not using even face wash. Do they going to use eye product? It's like really advanced. But because data say dark circle is issue, so let's develop. And then it's just like spot on because sometimes they don't use face wash, but they use only this product because they see the issue, then they want to solve those problems. Where do you want to take Cardone in the future? I want to own whole his bathroom because the reason we also expand to hair care and body care is our customers say that, okay, I trust you guys making amazing skincare. I have a hair loss problem. Can you solve that problem? And they keep coming back to us on the older personal care needs. So I want to make a one-stop shop for him. But like, whatever concern you have, you can just shop with a cardon. That's a great goal. I want to switch right now because people don't talk about things that are hard and how they overcome them. So can you talk a little bit about what was the toughest part of launching Cardone or um, entering into entrepreneurship? Yeah, a lot of challenges, <laughs> but like a lot of also fun stuff. But I would say maybe most recent one is like actually last year, we secured investment from one of the conglomerates from Korea. And then we are so happy with it. But at the last minute, it fell off. But however, that was really good for us because we're looking at the business more critical eyes that like where we should focus on our investment and how we should look at the business structure. And then that actually helped us a lot. Now we are in the really good shape and we're going to be profitable soon. So that was tough time, but I think that it was actually help us to go to the right direction. And I think there are a couple of things that every person that works for themselves has to be a salesperson, and someone who can handle rejection. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to sell. Whether you are a salesperson or not, you have to be able to communicate your concept, your goals, all all those other kinds of things. Those are all aspects of selling. And then you have to be able to handle a no. I 100% agree. That's like toughest one. (laughs) Yeah, it is tough. But once we master it, we're able to go. But the first few, you just want to crawl into the bed and, you know. (laughs) I totally agree because I think that like I never had that much rejection until I started my own company. You may have experienced rejection working for someone else, but it's not your rejection. It's the rejection of the company. So it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah, I was like. Because I grew up and I work with a big company, like at the big company, also like I did a good job, like I promoted and then like I didn't have much rejection, but like at Cardone, I'm getting rejection almost every day. I should have like thick skin to like accept and then like maybe use those rejections that what can you improve? And, you know, like let's like try to get the feedback as much as possible that will help us our company better. And then like, then we can go to right direction. So like I now like try to change my mindset, but first view was really hard. 
And the last question I want to ask you is, do you have a few tips for our listeners who may have an idea and how do you turn your idea into a brand? Yeah, that's really great question. <laughs> I don't think that there is a one like secret sauce people can take because I see like a lot of different brands has a different path. But one is really listen customer, like what they need. Because customer gonna tell you a lot. Like I was always surprised whenever I talk to customer, they tell me what kind of product they want, what kind of concern they have, like how our product should improve. And then because I'm building product for our customers, so like I think that like we should listen customer voice more and more. I mean, and second, I would say that building a brand is like a long journey. Like I'm not patient person <laughs> because you are building brand from the scratch. You need a time to increase brand awareness, also talk to the customer and perfecting your formula or product and etc. It is long journey. So you should be really patient. Actually, my co-founder mom gave us like amazing story. She's saying that like, you know how plane fly? Plane is gonna be on the ground long time, speeding up. And then at the end, he gonna fly. But if you think that this is long and you just stop, then you need to restart. So you feel like you don't see that any progress. Actually, you are making a progress. So keep going, you're gonna fly at some point. Yeah, I think that's great advice. That's really, really great advice. Now, can you tell our listeners how to find Cardone and what your social accounts are so that they can follow you? You can find us at www.cardoneskin.com. So C-A-R-D-O-N, skin, S-K-I-N.com. It is our own website. You can also purchase at Amazon. Our Instagram handle is at Cardone, C-A-R-D-O-N. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really loved hearing about your journey and the development of Cardone. Thank you for having us. Having me, I guess. I always say having us because I usually do with my co-founder, but today she couldn't join. Well, she's here in spirit. Yeah, <laughs> she was. <laughs> That's our show for today. Follow at start underscore right underscore here underscore podcast on Instagram. And check out the Last Word newsletter for my latest musings on beauty and inclusion. <laughs>